Welcome back once again to uh, Pop-Up Culture, the official podcast of the Pop-Up Fizzle YouTube channel. I'm Jeff. I'm Heidi. And we are back. It's been a hot minute. Uh, Yeah, like a really hot minute. When I say minute, I mean month or so. Yeah, at least. Uh, since we've uh, come out with a podcast for y'all. Um, just before we get started. Y'all, uh, you said that like a Texan. Uh, well, I've been here long enough, so I guess that works. But I also said it before I came here. So I think it's just part of me. Gotcha. Okay. For um, those of you that don't know, Heidi actually, uh, well, originally comes from the Chicago-ish area and uh, and then spent most of her growing up time in New York City. My formative years. Texas. My formative years. Formative. In, my formative years in, in New York before uh, emigrating to Texas. Is that how that worked? I think so, yeah. What in the world made you go to Texas? Uh, I, this is a weird guy I met online. So a boy. Yeah. You can blame it on a boy. Yeah. Gotcha. It's okay. Um, but before we get started, wanted to, uh, you know, we, we do look at our stats for podcasting and uh, notice we had several listeners in Brazil and Germany. So we wanted to give you guys a quick shout out. Thank you so much for tuning in, downloading and listening. Uh, would love to hear from you guys and just find out why you're listening. But thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, funnily enough, humorously enough, funnily always sounds weird. Sounds uh, like we're talking about a funnel. Um, like funnel cake? Yes. Which is not a bad thing. No, never. No, I was going to say, uh, interestingly enough, I guess I should say, uh. that um, uh, some of my, if you trace my ancestry back, you're going to end up in Germany at some point. Same. So, yeah, there's there's that. Um, not that anybody would have known that to have that be a factor in listening to us from Germany, but Same. yeah, you could definitely, uh, you could definitely trace, trace us back to Germany. And, uh, actually one of my, uh, teachers in middle school was uh, a transplant from Germany. Oh, lovely. And I got, I got my first taste of German food, uh, uh from someone who really knew how to cook it. Oh. And that was the thing we, we would always talk, we would always ask her questions about where she came from and, um, things that were different and that kind of thing. Cause you know, kids yeah. Yeah, you ask course. questions, you're yeah. curious about things. And so she, she just took a day, uh, to bring food. Like we didn't, like she sent a note home. We didn't have to have lunch that day or whatever. Aww. We just had to have our parents sign off that they were okay with us not eating cafeteria or whatever that day. And why would she anybody made a whole, have a, yeah. Why would anybody know, have a problem with that? That's amazing. You know, I don't know. Um, uh, kids, we weren't nearly as picky back then. Not as many allergies, that kind of thing. Oh going yeah, around. that's true. Um, that's true. so they didn't really have to worry about that nearly as much, but you know, I don't know why anybody would have objected to it. As far as I recall, everybody ate the food, Yay, food. Uh, and it was very tasty. It's different for sure. Mm-hmm. For, you know, and as a kid, I was probably pickier than I am now. But uh, I ate everything. I liked it. Oh, I, I, yeah, I absolutely like German food. Um, and then, you know, uh, in my previous career, I uh, happened to work at an advertising agency that uh, dealt with mostly, mostly Hispanic marketing. Um, and we had several people there from Brazil. And it was, it was so fun, really, just like, like linguistically to listen to everyone speaking, to, mm-hmm. you know, because most people there did speak Spanish. I speak really, really, really bad Spanish uh, for my job. Uh, and it, it gets me through, but it's still, it's, not good enough to actually use in real conversations if I really needed to. Um, but listening to people who spoke uh, Portuguese from Brazil and having to hear them speak to their families on the phone or, you know, uh, then speak Spanish, it was just so different, very lyrical. Um, I feel like Portuguese sounds like kind of like a combination of Spanish and French, but of course anybody who actually speaks it probably thinks I'm a crazy person for saying so. You know, one of my... Um 
friends in college, my uh, first year away from home um, in the dormitories was, uh, although he wasn't in my room, but I spent a lot of time with him, uh, was from Guatemala. And, uh, and so I remember very clearly because I couldn't speak a lick of anything even remotely passable as Spanish. Um, there was a, a rap song that I really liked that most of it was in Spanish ah. and I couldn't understand it. And so I took it to him and I was like, can you understand some of this? And he was like mm, a little bit, but it's, you know, it's, 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 it's Mexican Spanish. It's not what I know. you know. Oh and it's just like, I, as a, as a kid, of course, growing up, you don't think about how many regional dialects and oh. how many different takes on a specific language there are. I mean, when you listen to someone speak English, oh. depending on where they're from, yeah. you, you can have any pop soda, uh, cola, Coke. Sure. Uh, as one example. Mm. Yeah. And so dialects and uh, just lingo uh, the, and cultural things that come into play there. Um, so I always find that interesting. And I think the, oh, for sure. Like, one of the great things about, I think, the U.S. is that because Hollywood became such a big thing, as far as an exporter of culture from the United States, mm -hmm. there's a lot of understanding of the United States, at least passably. We all chew gum. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> now that can lead to some misunderstanding. I remember when you first met me, there were people that thought, Oh my gosh. Yes. I so, might have a cowboy hat or oh, a no, big belt buckle or no, something. No, no, That was the question I specifically asked. I'm like, do you wear a hat? Do you wear a belt buckle? Do you ride a horse? I'm like, I didn't know. I anything. don't do any of those things. I didn't, but, any, I didn't realize that Texas was just, just as well, suburban and, and specifically urban Dallas else, because you know? of, because of the, the television series by the same name. There were a lot of people that had a, a strange understanding of what Dallas was actually like. Oh, for sure. Because of that show. And I mean, there are elements of that show that are pretty, pretty spot on. Yeah. You still have to drive. Okay. Well, first of all, it takes an hour to drive from Dallas to Dallas. Let's just put that there, especially in traffic. But, um, you know, if you drive an hour outside of Dallas, you might run into things that are similar to that. Like, sure. Yeah. And you'll see people in cowboy hats and sport coats and you know, that kind of thing. You'll see farms with cows. I'm, I'm still very excited to pass cows on the highway. It's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous, but we see those here and it's like, yeah, it's not really something you expect to see. The occasional from, llama farm. Uh, yes. That kind of thing. Yes. The llama farm. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like, um, you know, that's, that's just one of those things where no matter what culture you're from, you get kind of insulated in mm. your own culture and you don't really think outside it unless you know, other than entertainment. And yeah. so you'll hear, you know, music from other places. You'll see movies from other places, that kind of thing. But it still only gives you this like little like a sliver. sliver, a little, you know, like a, like peeking through a curtain. Yeah. And, and just seeing a little bit of, you're going to finish all my sentences for me. Maybe you? I think uh, so. <laughs> so, um, but, but you don't really think about that stuff, especially when you're a kid no. and then you experience other, uh, people, other, uh, you know, histories, other, I mean, you know, when I grew up, I grew up next door to a Mexican family that would take care of me while my mom was at work. They were neighbors. We considered them family. They considered us family. They were over at our house. We were over at their house. And that was just normal to me growing up. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't have that kind of experience. Oh, so I, I tasted foods and stuff early on that a lot of people just wouldn't have any frame of reference for homemade tortillas, oh, not store-bought tortillas, that sure. kind of thing. And you know, and I didn't think anything about them being different. Like that was, you know, the, that's the great thing of being a kid and having that sort of innocence. Like they were just 
family to me. Yeah, they were just the neighbors. I loved when their son would come over to play. I he was at every birthday party that I ever had, and uh, and that kind of thing. And and I would I knew everybody in the family. Everybody in the family would chase after me when I was you know <laughs> out out running around out of control. Um, but um, but then you grow up and you start to pay attention to how people treat other people. Sometimes it's always not not always as nice no. as. Um, what it was. And uh, we don't want to go too far down that path, but I wanted to say that I always like it when someone is able to step out of whatever culture they're from and not just be a representative of their culture, but someone because of their character to whom anybody from any place can look up to. And maybe because of their own graciousness and character, they can um, not only shine a light on their culture, but but also be kind of the example about how we're to treat one another. And since the last time you and I did this, uh, unfortunately, the great Chadwick Boseman passed away. We have not had a chance to discuss that at all. No, I, I honestly, I was surprised that we hadn't. I feel like it was um, that long ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. But I think what happened was we had just filmed that that last episode, and and almost immediately after that, he passed, and we just haven't had a chance to be back together yeah. in this fashion. Anyway, yes. we're filming together all the time. But, um, I, you know, that moment, that day was such a weird day. So strange. Yeah. Because I was, I, at, I was at work. Yeah. It just never occurred to me. No. Like, it was so, it was so surprising to literally everyone. And the thing is, I work with people of all ages as well. And, like, everyone was just shocked they couldn't believe it. And like people were texting their friends and looking online to make sure that it was right, that they weren't hearing wrong, some rumor somewhere that somebody started that was just so awful that it couldn't be true. Yeah. And it turned out to be so. I, uh, yeah, I, I remember just, I kind of woke up to the news and, and I was like, Oh my gosh, I really? And then almost immediately somebody had messaged me mm-hmm. and asked me if I had seen the news. Um, because everybody knows that I'm a huge Marvel fan. Um, and and honestly, Chadwick Boseman's been in so many things that I watched, even if he wasn't the central character, um, that I I feel like I knew him before mm-hmm. he was T'Challa. I knew him before, you know, I knew um what he was able to bring to a part, um, even if his part wasn't what everything hung on. Right. You know. Um and then as as T'Challa, I mean, from the moment he's on screen oh, captivating. in Civil War. You're just like, I can't imagine anybody else playing that no. part. No, absolutely not. And that was kind of, for me anyway, that was a disheartening kind of thing, aside from just mourning the loss of somebody who was so talented and and such a man of character. We'll talk about that side of him in a minute. But but just that so many people were like, oh, no, what's Marvel going to do? And what's, what's yeah, Black Panther going to do? Mean, and I get it. Yeah. I, I get that. That was a huge moment for the black community, but also for movies and for representation and for all kinds of that. Like I get it, but a man died and yeah. <laughs> people are mourning him uh, still. Yeah. I, and I so, mean, I, I'll have to admit I, uh, that was one of my, one of my first thoughts as well. Not the only thought. I don't I think had. it's wrong to have the thought. I, I'm just saying there were a lot of people that that's what they wanted to talk about. Yeah. That's, Pick your moment. Yeah. It was definitely not the right time for that moment. Yeah. And and honestly, I still don't feel like it is. It's like, you know, I, f- 
I've felt like Marvel's made a lot of really good decisions, uh, you know, questionable decisions when they made them, but it turned out to be fantastic decisions after we yeah, so saw the results. That, yeah, I'm perfectly it is, willing to trust them with this moment. Yeah, whatever it is that they decide to do going forward with the Black Panther franchise and uh, it, and Black Panther's involvement in the Marvel Universe, um, I am sure it's going to be spot on no matter, you know, what we think about what they decide to do. I think it'll work out really well. And you know, kind of how we roll around here. We watch Marvel movies a lot. Um, the kids want to replay them. We have watched uh, Age of Ultron. I don't know how many times. We Ugh. watched Infinity War. I don't know how many times. We watched Endgame quite a number of times. Since yeah. we got. Um, that one's a little bit harder to watch yeah. in general. Um, but we have, I mean, they've been on repeat for a long time in this house. However... I haven't really been able to do that. Like I, you know, of course it helps that school started and, you know, everything's happening um, in a weird way right now, thanks to the virus that shall not be named. Um, But we're all kind of in a different predicament. So maybe we just aren't watching movies as much, but I feel like I I watched somebody reacting to Mm -hmm. um, civil war the other day. And I found it hard to watch because it was so, front of my brain that he's not with us anymore. Yeah. And I was just so sad about it. Like not because somebody else is going to have to play the character or we're going to have to have a new character or whatever else. Like that's not the part that makes me sad. He's just so good. Good. And such, you know, especially in his portrayal of T'Challa. Now I could argue that he brings it to every part that he's played to some extent, but there is such a depth of character of, um, history, even just sort of and and I, I think I said this after we saw black Panther because I liked a lot of black Panther. I liked, you know, there are elements of it. I haven't watched it as much as I watched some of the other ones. Um, but it is, I remember when you and I did our review for it, yeah. we talked about how, you know, just the design of everything and oh, just beautiful. the way that movie was crafted, how big a deal it was. And then we saw, like friends and people that we know um, through school in our community dressing up for the premieres. Like this was such a huge thing for the black community in general, not just Marvel fans, not just superhero fans, mm-hmm. but to have that representation and to have uh, him as sort of the head of that notion. And he has such a, and, and one of the things that we talked about was that he has naturally just sort of this regal, oh, like you want to trust him. You want sure. to listen. You For want sure. to believe that he's on your side. And he, it came so naturally to him mm-hmm. that it didn't feel like acting. It just felt like he was that person. That character, for sure. And that is something that very few actors with twice the amount of time he had in the game are able to get to. Um, so every time he would be on screen and in that movie or any of the other Marvel movies, it just felt like we were seeing something special. Yeah. And in in game in particular, when he steps out in that last scene oh, and yeah. without saying anything, just gives a look to Captain America with a slight nod of his head I remember sitting in the theater with all of the sort of emotion that you're feeling in that moment For sure. after 20 movies, 21 movies, whatever it was that led yeah. us to that moment. 
All of the emotion that you're feeling and the fear that you're feeling is Captain America standing there in that broken shield facing off against a whole horizon filled with yeah, a horde people coming for him. And that nod, that nod was enough. That nod was like, yep, it's okay now. Yeah, I'm here. Yep. And that's what, that's all, that's all anyone needed to see or hear. And I'm, I'm having a hard time cause I'm getting emotional. I'm always emotional, but, <laughs> but that, that moment in and of itself, like there's so many great moments yeah. in that, but, that, one but was... that moment on paper should not do what it does. No, that moment is that moment because of who Chadwick Boseman is as a man and what he brought to that role mm-hmm. that he would not be standing there if he, if he planned to lose, like he's there and it's okay. And we've got this. Yeah. And that somebody can do that with nothing more than a look of his eyes and a nod of his head yeah, is extremely powerful. It really is. And I mean, you know, he, he spent uh, several movies building up to that. And sure. you, so you knew, you knew when you saw him that that nod and that look were like gold standard, top notch, exactly what you needed to see in here. Sure. And in a world where, um, in the real world where we have so many leaders that we cannot look up to, that we cannot sort of uh, take heart in. Ugh, and, and I'm not talking about any particular side of the aisle. So please, please don't hear this as me talking bad about any particular person. I'm just talking about in general, in yeah. the world, there's not a lot of people that I feel like I can look up to. And he gave us this, you know, granted a mythological figure, you know, comics are the modern mythology, For but, sure. but he gave us a figure that we could look up to and that people can aspire to yeah. that, that um, people of any color. And see, that's the thing I, I like, I get how huge a moment black Panther was for the black community because we have so many friends in that community yeah. and we got to see it firsthand, what it, what it meant to them. But his character and what he portrayed on that screen is something that anybody of any yeah, color universal. of any background yeah. should aspire to, yeah. to have that compassion, to have that intelligence, to have that willingness to stand up for what's right, no matter what the cost is. And also like just the ability to understand any weaknesses that somebody may, you know, one may have to be able to address those and overcome and them. And going back to black Panther, the film to, Learn from an enemy who, even though you don't see eye to eye with the way he wants to make things happen, that somewhere in the middle of his crazy screed was a bit of truth that I need to wrestle with because it it, it will ma- it make mattered. our people and our country better. Yeah, it mattered. And that so that lack of pride, yeah. that that um because that's really what brings down most people in positions of power yeah. is that pride. Um, so for him to be selfless enough and humble enough to hear a truth in the middle of the chaos that the, that uh, Killmonger was offering in that film uh, stood out to me as well. And I don't feel like that would have been as powerful. I don't feel like that message would have come across as well. Had anybody, but Chadwick Boseman played that part. Yeah. And uh, I actually, before he passed, I had just started rewatching um, the TV series Persons Unknown. It's a short-lived series uh, about people that wake up in a small town. They don't know how they got there. Uh, it's a great little series. And uh, and I had forgotten in the meantime that, that Chadwick Boseman played one of those characters. Because oh. at the time, I had probably not seen him in anything before that when it originally aired. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so going back to that, after knowing him as T'Challa and Black Panther, and then seeing him in an earlier role, and seeing how easy it still, you know, like even then, how easy it came to him that I just, I forgot that I was watching Chadwick Boseman. I yeah. just was watching he's a, his characters in the military in that series. And so I, I literally just totally got into him as that character. Didn't think about T'Challa once, didn't think about Black Panther once, just started rewatching it and, and just, you know, he was just lost in that part. That's amazing for somebody as young as he was in that so particular talented. series. Yeah. And um and he only got better from there. And mm-hmm. there's still, I think, at least one more film that he did that he um that hasn't reached us yet. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting. And I know he did some voice work for Marvel's what if series. So oh. there'll be, be a few more Marvel things coming. Oh, that'll, with be his lovely. Voice. that'll be lovely. Here. But I, but I don't want to end the discussion on, on Chadwick Boseman talking only about his talent, because I don't think that that's, I mean, while that is great and tremendous in and of itself, he was also such a man of character that so many people could attest to, um, if you ever heard him speak publicly, and I, I went back through and listened to speeches that he gave, um, he had a really powerful way of speaking because he wasn't giving a speech. He he knew what he wanted to say. He was just speaking, and he may have written it down, and it, you know, but he he delivered it as a man who meant every word that was coming out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And very few speeches connect with me in the same way. Um, but just, and this is kind of the thing that was amazing to me in the days that followed his passing, as so many people paid tribute to him, we saw so many great things. I know you and I both looked yeah. at, uh, I mean, all over Twitter, pictures of kids paying yeah. tribute. Yeah, that was that Those was kinds so of things. Sweet. I saw a great thing that was, uh, um, it was an art, an artwork, uh, and I wish I, I wish I knew who to credit, but uh, I just saw it in passing. But it was a piece of artwork that was uh, Stanley with his, you know, it was like from the from the back, right? I think and I it was just one. it was just Stanley and Chadwick Boseman standing there looking off into the horizon, and Stanley had his hand on his back and said, "You did good, kid." Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I I think I saw that one. We may have seen it at different times, uh, but yeah, I saw that one too. So you know, beautiful. but what I wanted to focus on when I when I talk about character, not just the character of you know, that, that regality that we talked about, the compassion, the, the humility, but in real life, his, his passion for what he did to the point of doing some of his best work while he was fighting this battle that he was facing daily. Yeah. Against cancer. Yeah. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. You couldn't tell by looking at him. Yeah. I mean, he he was in worked and worked and worked. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to watch some of what he did and went through and the shape that he fought to get himself in for Black Panther. Ugh. But I think he knew that that was going to be such an important moment. Yeah. He, he that knew he, he had to give it his all. Yeah. And if you're not sure of whether or not you have a tomorrow, you got to make today count. Absolutely. And I feel like, man, what an example he set on that front because – I can't imagine. I mean, there are days when I just didn't get enough hours of sleep and I want to stay in bed all day. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not fighting anything. No. Um, there are days when I just am worn out from, you know, mentally from the day that I had the day before. 
And it's like, all I want to do is sit and veg and, you know, watch some Netflix or something. And so I can't imagine facing the kind of battle, the kind of war that he was waging daily. No. um, And still getting up and not just getting up, but, but excelling at his craft. Yeah. He was. And setting a tone that I can't even imagine that it would be matched by anybody in a, in a long time. I mean, what a, what a man, what a fighter. And, um, I don't think there really are words that can do him justice. This is us making a feeble attempt at that. I mean, granted, you know, all humans are fallible, you know, um, and we all have our, our issues and our, our moments, but it's always nice to see a shining example from amid the muck and the mire of day-to-day living to see somebody that's willing to fight to be someone that people can look up to and respect and, um, and I don't think he was asking for that, but no. man, did he get it. He did, for um, sure. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, sorry to see Chadwick Boseman go, and sorry that we weren't able to talk about him until now. Um, just, um, it's still, I, I still find it hard to believe. And yeah. it, it still feels like, I, I kind of feel like this whole uh, COVID nightmare that we're living in. Yeah, it's really special time in a weird way. It, it has, but I think it's it's good in a way because we get a break from Marvel that maybe when they come back, they can approach it in a way that we feel that loss a little bit less maybe. Yeah. Um, they'll have had time to sort out what they want to do and yeah. how they're going to do it. And um, maybe it won't feel, you know, if they if they were still on a tight schedule, yeah, putting it, stuff out. That would have been really and hard. and Black Panther two was scheduled and couldn't move and couldn't shuttle down the schedule any or whatever else. And I feel like that would put them behind the eight ball in a way that would not be good for them, but it also wouldn't be good for fans that are still mourning that loss. Yeah, and it would be it would be a a, det- a detriment to the character too. They they whatever like if they didn't have enough time to think think it through and make it work properly. And I think that if for no other reason, because they respected him so much and what he did for their franchise and what he did for uh, the character that, you know, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, if there could be such a thing as a successful black Panther movie, I would have said no yeah. because superhero movies could not be counted on no. then. And people like Kevin Feige came in with a determination to, uh, show people what comics are for the people that love them and what they can be in the right hands and, and bring that sort of storytelling into movies. Right. And he did that in a way that, that really paid off. And um, I think they would respect him enough, Chadwick Boseman enough and what he brought to that character and to the universe, the MCU to not handle that poorly. Yeah. You know, they're going to go, they're going to be really smart and careful about what they do next. Yeah. I, and I think COVID gives them the, the time yeah. and a chance to do that. Which is, which is a strange thing to say, you know, thank goodness for that in that fashion. Right. Um, but, you know, I feel like in general, the COVID's kind of made a lot of people at least reassess, rethink, um, and take some time to really understand what it is that they're trying to do with themselves. So that, so it just expands out to the Marvel execs as well. Yeah. Um, speaking of the pandemic and what we're doing with ourselves, you and I, I covered my mouth up with my uh, hand there. I was scratching at my nose and I covered the microphone up. So. <laughs> Good job. Yep. This is live folks. We're not, uh, we're not editing any of this stuff out. We're just nope. talking to you. Yep. Um, 
we've been watching a lot of television. We have been watching so much television. And not just for pleasure. That's the thing. We, uh, if, you, if you only know us from this podcast uh, and you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, on uh, Pop Pop Fizzle, we watch a lot of television yeah. and film reactions to it. We also do other things, too, when we have time. But, yeah. uh, but mainly, lately, all we've been doing is watching television. And uh, I wanted to talk about some of the things that we've been watching, but also some of the things we've been watching that we're not reacting to that we've really enjoyed. They were watching for fun only. Yeah, there's like one of those. <laughs> they were watching for fun only. Is it just one? We're very busy. We are. Um, it's, it's Halloween. I haven't even really, aside from a really bad Friday the 13th movie the other night, I haven't watched any scary movies really mm-hmm. um, to prepare, prepare myself for Halloween to have my geese bumped, <laughs> my spine tingled. Um, we, for pop up fizzle, we've been watching. Um, this is no, no secret. We've been watching uh, Farscape, which is uh, for those of you unfamiliar, a sci-fi series that uh, ran on the sci-fi channel here in the States um, probably was other it? networks elsewhere. Yeah. It was a joint uh, Canadian, I think, TV, yeah, uh, CTV. Yeah, series. I don't. I mean, like, yeah, it, it was definitely Canadian uh, for some parts of it. That's where they filmed it for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, which came out in I believe. 19- or actually, no, I'm sorry, they they actually filmed in Australia. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. right. So it may have been an Australian TV production. But we. Um, it, it aired, I think, late 90s, I think 98, 99, something like yeah. that. The Jim so, Henson company behind that. Yeah. Uh, so all of the alien effects and things, a lot of a lot of puppetry happening, a lot of... Um, Good, practical. Absolutely great Jim Henson puppetry happening yeah. there from, from some of the main characters mm-hmm. um, through to, you know, incidental characters that they run into throughout the series. Um, but we we have a history with that series in that I am a big fan of that show and was watched it weekly when it aired. But by the time it was ending, that was kind of when you came on board um, to watch the um, mini series, right. That wrapped things up. So the mini series, didn't it, it aired like a couple of years later. It was was about a year, about a year later. And it was at the behest of all the fans who did not care for the, and this was, yeah, this was early internet days as far as fandom presence on the internet. And uh, I don't think it was just internet. I, I believe it was also their offices being bombarded with actual mail. What? Um, what's the, what's things mail? Being, what's mail? Is, yeah. is that like, is it like email only on paper? Exactly. Oh, wow. It's like emails that you print out and send in an envelope. It's oh. very weird. Oh, is that what the envelope, sir, when you see like your inbox? Yeah. <gasps> see how there's a parallel. Oh. Um, <laughs> but we, uh, you know, basically what happened was fans had bombarded the network, specifically the sci-fi network, because sci-fi was the one that canceled it. Um, they were the main purveyors of the show mm. and um, it, it got canceled right around the same time that Firefly got canceled. So you had two shows with diehard fan bases mm. that were bombarding the networks that were airing them to yep. get more. Yep. Um, it worked out in both cases. It did. Farscape got a mini series to wrap up their plot lines Thank- and uh, which is good because their season finale was a cliffhanger yeah. and we would have just ended there. That, that would have been, it a, been ter- horrific. a terrible place to stop. Firefly, of course, got the movie Serenity, yes. which aired, in, which filmed. Uh, I can't speak. Which, which showed in theaters yes. here in the U.S. and and, um, and bombed. <laughs> and yeah, it didn't. It didn't really do well, but it was really just for, for the, the love fans. of the fans. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's and it's become kind of a cult classic since then, as more yes. people have jumped on Firefly. Yeah. Uh, but we noticed a real 
dearth of Farscape on YouTube. Yeah, nobody was reacting to it. And it's such a great show. And so I said to Heidi, like, what would you think about doing Farscape? And we talked about it a few times. And and she would encourage me sometimes, and I'd be, oh, I don't know if we can do it. It's a lot to cover. And then and then I'd get excited about it and mention it, and then we'd start looking at the schedule and go, oh, no, how can we do all that? And we, we kind of went back and forth on it a bit. We did. Um, and then we decided to go ahead and try it. Why yeah. not? And we've had such great feedback from fans yeah. finding us on YouTube, watching was, Farscape. Yeah. I mean, it's like we're a tiny, tiny channel, and we have... You know, I am uh, not tiny. Oh, our channel is tiny. Uh, as, far as, so tiny. as far as subscribers are concerned and all that, and we're fine with that. We really do enjoy just watching for the love of watching the show. Yeah. Um, but well, and we said we said early days that our plan was to just not worry about monetization and stuff like that'll that'll happen when it happens. Yeah. But we just want to take our time and grow naturally yeah, you know so. like like we could do a bunch of things we could watch the the analytics and of other channels and we could watch and go oh okay well everybody's reacting to the boys so we got to jump on the boys but we're not really interested in watching the boys so we're not doing that we're just kind of doing what we want to do right and, and, it's, and we and knew that that would cost us in views but also yeah it would bring people in that like the same sorts of things that we like right which is the kind of community you really want to build around you. So Absolutely. So we've been really enjoying the feedback and the and you know the subscribers who've been uh, joining us as we've been putting sure, out Sure, lots of little parts. conversations happening and comments yeah. and it's been a good time so far and and Farscape was really kind of what kicked that off for us and and kicked off some growth for our little channel. And then we follow that up with, with you doing your solo thing. What are you doing over there? I am watching uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which um, I believe started airing in 1993. Um, and I was aware of it when it came out, but it just was never like at the top of my list of things to watch because I was a teenager at the time. And so I was, had other things going on. Um, and as Star Trek series go, considering how old you were in 1993. Yeah. It was probably a little bit too heady for for you. Yeah, it might, it might have been a little older than than what I was uh, looking for. I was considerably older, and it was still a little bit too heady for me. But I really came to enjoy it over time. <laughs> so yeah, Jeff has actually seen Deep Space Nine. And the thing is, I um, had only really watched uh, some some of Star Trek: The Next Generation. So I'm like vaguely aware of the Star Trek universe, but I was like, I just never watched any of Deep Space Nine. I've seen the characters in memes and I've seen like people referring to Deep Space Nine and that sort of thing. And I was just never really had the wherewithal to get into it. And I was like, you know what? This is one of those things, you know, uh, I need my nerd slash Greek, uh, not Greek. I'm not Greek, uh, nerd slash geek, uh, street cred to, you know, I have to have like at least a little bit of star Trek in my back pocket. And, you know, everybody goes for, you know, the original series or the next generation. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I mean, watch, I've, we've watched some of both and I don't feel like it would be an authentic reaction if it was something that I already had seen. So I knew that I'd seen none of Deep Space Nine. So that was one that I was like, okay, let's let's do this. And I was um, both 
overjoyed and overwhelmed to see that there are 176 episodes of this of this series uh, across seven seasons. And from the feedback I've received, um, literally it, more thoughts than I've had in my entire life. Right, <laughs> it's shush you. Um, but it was it was going to be. I I know it's getting better as it goes along, but it's just it's so much. And so I've I think I've made it through what like 11 episodes already, something like that. And it's it's a lot. We're try, uh, trying to get to the end of this at least filming the the rest of the first season through the course of uh october and november but there is a lot going on there and that's it's great though because like farscape not a whole lot of people giving any attention to deep space nine and that may change because there's some rumors swirling about that perhaps cisco could be coming back like picard uh in a series of his own which may bring back some of these characters but um, and we didn't know any of that when no. you decided to jump down this road. Not and, a clue. Um, so th- th- that's just a nice little bookend. If it actually turns out to be true at the end of me watching all seven seasons, for sure, I'll want to watch that as well. Sure. So, But I, I watched that early on because I watched everything Star Trek. It, when I was, And I'm not somebody who can name you episode titles and tell you how this thing is related to that thing. I'm not that kind of fan. God love you. I, you know, they're... I love that kind of stuff. That's that's the kind of nerd that I aspire to be. And I am that kind of nerd about comic books and some other things. But um, I'm not that kind of nerd when it comes to Star Trek. But I did watch them all as they came out because, you know, at a certain age, there was not a lot of TV that I was interested in. Yeah, and good, good sci-fi was hard to find then. Yeah, and so I would dive into anything that had the word Star Trek in front of it because I just loved it. And um, and so I watched all of Deep Space Nine. I watched all of Voyager. I've seen none of Voyager. And it wasn't until, like, um, Enterprise came out that I kind of had lost interest by that point and didn't watch that series at all when it came out. Um, but yeah, I have seen all of deep space nine and I'm going to be joining you for some of those episodes yes, some as of your we faves. go. Some of your faves and some of the fan faves. So what I've done and I've mentioned it on the, uh, on the channel uh, when I first started doing it is that um, there are, uh, there's so many episodes and I was just, like I said, very, very overwhelmed. And I found uh, a multitude of watching guides online and I kind of compiled them and got to a list of things that I'm going to watch for the channel. Broke and out the old Excel spreadsheet. I did. I made an Excel spreadsheet and it felt like coming home. It was awesome. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Just for reference, I used to work in data and analytics when I did work in advertising. So I, I abused uh, Excel on a daily basis uh, for that particular role. Um, but I did break out an Excel spreadsheet to kind of organize exactly, you know, who said what should be watched. And so there, I know that there are episode titles, but I definitely avoided as many summaries as I could. Um, and so th- I know that there are some episodes that are just like breakout fan favorites every Everyone loves it. Everyone says you need to watch. Everyone says are pivotal to the either the season or the series in general. So I'm really looking forward to those. And, um, you know, for at least season one, the ones that you know most people said to skip or didn't even mention, um, those will be airing on our Patreon only. But um, we're there's still so much and we're, you know, it's ever changing and evolving. So we may do something different for season two. Now, so far, you're. A little past the halfway point for season one. I am. So any standout episodes for you that you just like 
they were sort of the hooks that got you and you felt like, oh, okay, yeah, I am going to really I'll, enjoy I'll have this. to say just, I mean, you know, to be very basic here, I mean, the, the series opener, if that was not good, I would have been really, really hard like pressed. kicking yourself? Yeah. I, <laughs> no, I would have been like, maybe this isn't the series I need to react to. Right. Like, honestly, that really was uh, what uh, hooked me in. As premieres go. It was really good. They they covered a lot of space in that, not no pun intended. They covered a lot in that it was like a two hour premiere. There was, there was so much involved in that and I really did enjoy it. And I, I liked uh, just kind of really um, getting into uh, just the mindset of uh, Cisco, just finding out, you know, where he's come from and where, where, why he, why we're watching him. And I think that was always my draw to that show from the early days all the way through to the end was that Cisco was such a different kind yes. of character from what I was used to from Star Trek. Absolutely. And, and so I really liked that. I, I found him very enjoyable, um, just so, never, I, I never felt like I knew exactly what he was going to do. He yeah. always was a little bit unpredictable for Definitely me. Definitely a wild card, just depending on what's going on. And, you know, and so we've said before, you know, uh, creators have a lot of ground to cover if they know that they've got a season one, like with the expectation of having more. Um, so right now we've just been kind of introduced to a lot of the uh, main characters and like, larger minor characters in uh, this particular series. And so I've really just enjoyed getting to know all of them and just kind of see their backgrounds. Uh, You know, that not really all of the backgrounds, but, you know, just kind of getting to know those characters just a bit and looking forward to seeing more of what's going to be happening with, you know, the whole struggle on Bajor with the Cardassians and the wormhole and, that just what's going to be happening next with it. I've just been enjoying just watching and so soaking it in. Right. There's a lot of changes coming, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens throughout that series. Um, Seven seasons, but also I know, and I, and I'm fully expecting it to all be right up your alley because there's so much uh, political stuff happening. There's so much just, um, you know, cultural stuff and, and people on the, the edge of war and, you know, all kinds of things like that. That's right up your alley. You For know. Sure. Um, yeah. I've actually been very surprised, um, you know, just, and I've said it in my reactions as well, like how, um, you know, utopian star Wars, uh, not star Wars, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, star Trek, how utopian star Trek and uh, star Trek, the next generation makes the future seem. But then when we are introduced to some cultures that are coming across from the gamma quadrant, they are far from it. And I I'm surprised at uh, star Trek making that, that choice to leap into territory that's questionable. And I'm really enjoying that as well. Um, Now I'll ask the same thing about Farscape because those are the two sci-fi series that we're really watching right now. Um, Farscape, we just finished our 10th episode we did. reacting to that. Um, how are you feeling about Moya and the crew oh, thus far? I love them. I think it's so much fun. And I think that's that's the that's the worst part is that I got to know them in the miniseries. And I, I had a general idea of the series even before that. It's just like I feel like maybe I caught like the intro a couple of times somewhere on somebody's screen or, uh, you know, heard little bits and pieces of other people talking about the show uh, when it was airing. So, like, I 
like I know that there's stuff to come. Like I, I'm aware of story points and like things that are going to be coming up. Right. And I'm just really excited. But uh, like just watching it unfold has been such a joy, really. It's been, now I, I joke all the time when we're doing reactions to Farscape about my Swiss cheese brain, but it really is true. It's been a solid like 10 years since I've watched my way through this series or maybe eight. Because I know on Facebook a while back it popped up that I had started watching the full series with my oldest daughter. And, uh, and so I was like, Oh, okay. So it's been, I don't even remember you watching. With it was her. like, it was like eight or nine years ago. So it's, it's been almost a decade since I've watched my way through this series. Yeah, No, I don't so remember. We keep watching episodes and I'm like, Ooh, I kind of know this. Like, I kind of think I know where this is going. And then something will happen. I'll be, no, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> and then I'll, and then it'll get further and I'll go, yep. Okay. Now I know where we're going. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting for me as someone who has watched the series before. Uh, and I've remarked on this on, you know, on our reactions, but it's, it's interesting for me to note how early they were building some of the relationships, how, um, early they were, you know, giving these characters reasons to connect and to grow into a family in spite of their differences, in spite of the, you know, rubbing each other the wrong way about some things or whatever. Um, it's just written really well because it seems to be happening fairly naturally. It's very not, organic. It's not forced. It's not, you know, um, it makes sense that on a, a ship with uh, multiple species that the two people who look the most alike would feel the most sort of comfortable and they're culturally, they know more of the same kind of things, even though they're still very different. Oh, they're so different. Yeah. Very different. But at the same time, they, it, you know, like for him, that's seeing a familiar face every day, you know, right. for Crichton. And so, uh, and, and the same for her. Um, and then it, you know, and then as we get to know the other characters, we get to know kind of how they fit the family dynamic. Yes. You know, that, that, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what to say about Rigel, but he's, the, uh, he's a grumpy uncle. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I would say Dargo might be more the grumpy uncle. Oh. Uh, mm. Rigel's just really full of himself. And, um, but, uh, but Zahn's like the motherly, you know, she's the mother hen kind of, sure. but then they deepen her character. They keep giving us more stuff about her where it's like, well, yes, she's motherly when she's getting along, when she wants, wants to. to get along. Yeah. But then, you know, so they get us used to one thing and then they introduce a new element. And so they, they're keeping well, us on our toes. But it's, and it's so nice to not have like one-sided characters, like sure. so much depth and nuance to them. I mean, they are actual people with real lives, real stories, real backgrounds. Sure. And we're just seeing this part of them and whatever they choose to reveal. Well, and, and, even, and even 10 episodes in, mm -hmm. you know, Crichton being the one who's the fish out of water in that series. Yeah who everybody else looks at as if he's a complete idiot um, <laughs> is, is able to find his way through problems in ways that they aren't because he feels like he has to catch up and he feels like he has to pay attention and he has to learn, you know, he's not taking anything for granted. Yeah. He feels like, he, well, I don't think he necessarily feels like he needs to prove himself, but he's like, he, but I mean, he has to live. Yeah. He needs to be able to survive right. in this area, in this arena. So, and so that that's fun for me to kind of, pick up on some of those things I didn't really think that hard about before um, and, and just pay attention to the nuances of the character stuff. And, and like any series there, are, you know, monster of the week, throwaway episodes sure. that are, that are only character development. And then there's plot stuff that is, you know, going to be dragging us into what's to come. Yeah. Um, but it's all been good. So like, I haven't, we haven't yeah. watched an episode so far that I've gone, eh, I could have done without that episode. 
Yeah, I mean, like every everything at least has a, a nugget of uh, uh, worthy character development that we, you know, maybe if we didn't see it, we wouldn't miss that much. But it makes everything the so much richer for seeing it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm digging that and I'm excited to finish that first season with you. And then we're, we're going to be taking a bit of a break in filming, uh, in filming. Um, it won't really affect any viewers too much, uh, but we're going to be taking a break in filming over the holiday. We're, we're still going to be filming some other things. Um, we're still going to be busy, but we've got to, got to slow down, slow the train down just a little bit before we dive into season two of Farscape and season two of deep space nine. Then we kind of threw into the mix, um, a few more things that are coming, but we just, <laughs> we just finished the haunting of Bly Manor. Oh my goodness. Yes. Now, if you are not familiar with the haunting of Bly Manor, then that means you must've missed the haunting of Hill house on Netflix. We highly encourage you to go and check that out right now. Both. If you haven't watched it and then jump into the haunting of Bly Manor, you don't really have to watch them in order. They're two separate stories. Yeah. There's nothing but, in connection other than they're the haunting of. Yes. But the haunting of Hill house really set the bar high. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, uh, I was having a conversation with uh, my oldest yesterday on the phone because she's working her way through the haunting of Bly Manor. And she said, you know, I feel like they were so smart not to tell the same kind of story. Yeah. That they're both, they both have horror elements, but they're not just horror stories. No. And um, with haunting of Hill house, we, we got a Gothic horror story. Whereas, Bly Manor is really more of a gothic romance, and that's not that's not a spoiler. There's no. a lot of there's a lot of horror tropes and a lot of ghost story vibes that you're going to get in Bly Manor. There's a reason it's called the haunting of, but at its at its base, at its root, it is a love story, and not just a love story, multiple love stories. So many. But um, I think she's right that the genius of of the creators of that show were to not dive into the same sort of horror, right? To give us a a different um, perspective and a different type of story, so that it's not an an apple to apple comparison. It's an apple to orange comparison. They're both fantastic. Yeah, you really. They're both filmed well. Yeah, you can't. They're both compare. written well. They're both acted phenomenally, oh. but they're very different for sure. Um, I don't know who the casting director is for those shows. They need awards like and cookies and a raise. Yeah. And a pat on the back and maybe a noogie something. Uh, see, I said cookies. They don't need noogies. Well, cookies. you know, just, yeah, you did a good job. You know, oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get it. I get it. We're making arm gestures here. I don't know. You can't can see that. Yeah. It's you okay. Can imagine them. It's like a comedian doing prop comedy, but you can't see them. <laughs> it doesn't really work. Ah. Yeah. Uh, Heidi's trying to do prop comedy with no props. Anyway, so it doesn't work at any level at all. It doesn't work for me, and I'm in the room. It doesn't work for you because you can't see what she's doing. It works for me because it made me laugh. <laughs> she's, okay. she's utterly ridiculous, and I knew that when I married her, so it's okay. It's okay. Um, but no, I was I was going to say, especially the child actors in both series. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're so good. Most of the time, if there's a child actor in something, even if they're good. I mean, I can remember thinking, um, I can't remember if, I think it might have been both of the Sprouse kids that were in uh, Big Daddy or whatever that Adam Sandler movie is, um, where they played his kid. And I... And they were good in that, and it was a funny, you know, it, it worked. 
but they didn't jump out at me. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I expect good things from that kid. Yeah. But Haunting of Hill House had so many, and not only so many kids that were doing such great jobs, but kids that had to also uh, bring to mind the adult actors that were playing them as adults. And so between the adults and the children, they had to figure out who that character was and act in a way that where was, you could see it echoed no matter which age you were watching. Right. It like you had to, I mean, they had to be the same person at different ages. Basically. And it was fantastic. They were so, so good. And then blind manner, I would have thought, you know, okay, well we, we lucked out. We had great kid actors mm-hmm. in Hill house. That, that probably can't happen again. Chances are odds are that we're not going to get that again. Wrong. And they had two fantastic. Yeah young actors Those, in this. Yeah, they were so... As Flora and Miles. And so, let me so just good. tell you right now, if you saw the movie The Turning and you thought, well, I don't need to see The Haunting of Bly Manor wrong. because it's based on The Turning of the Screw, no, you're wrong. The Turning was not a good film and The Turning um, does no justice to that story compared to this. Now they're not just pulling from the turning of the screw. They're pulling from several other Henry James ghost stories to tell this story. But if you saw that and feel like, no, I'm going to know everything that's going to happen. You are wrong. You will not know everything that's going to happen. And you need to see this because this is a better version of that story. Um, Well, to be fair, I never saw the turning, but uh, I'm agreeing with you because I can't imagine anything doing any stories better than the haunting of blind manor did by miles. No pun intended kilometers by, by kilometers miles and flora are better in the haunting of blind manor and better acted than they were in the other film. So I feel like um, those two are definitely actors and actresses. Keep an eye on. Oh, for sure. From both shows um, from both series. Yeah. Those kids were so good. Um, Just, the way that they were able to play their roles as children and then the way that they were able to... Well, we don't want to give away anything. Oh, no spoilers. The way that they were able to encompass the other roles and things that they were supposed to do. Yeah. They were just Because obviously so we're, we're talking about a, a movie or a series that is going to have scary moments. Yeah. And to have, have children that can give you genuinely good innocent, yeah. good children and also creep you out within seconds of each other or minutes of each other. Yeah. It was so good and so well done. And I can't speak highly enough of those two. Um, Fantastic. So if you have not watched haunting a blind manor, our reactions are still going up. We're putting them up every Friday. Yes. So you can um, catch up, um, watch the series first and watch our reactions. If you're interested in that, those links as always will be in our show notes. So you can find our channel there, Um, but definitely check out, uh, even if you don't want to watch our reactions, that's fine. Check out, the Haunting of Blind Manor, because it's a fantastic series and you won't be. Yeah, you can find sorry. it on Netflix, not a sponsor. Nope. Um, uh, and if you don't have Netflix available in your area, I'm so sorry. But see if you can figure out how to get your VPN to say that you're in the state so that you can watch it. There you go. Also uh, available on Netflix is Deep Space Nine. So you Indeed. can check that out there. Farscape is on Amazon Prime. That's how we're watching it. So be sure and check that out. Because none of the reactions that we do are a replacement for watching the show. No. We want you to support the show so that we continue to get good content from those people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then we've got a few things that are coming up, and some of them we've talked about and some of them we haven't. Um, the 
the old series that we're going to be reacting to. I'm going to keep that a secret for now. We're oh, not going to talk about that's that. Gonna, that's I'm, I expect that to be a total coup, by the way. Like, I feel like that's going to be one where people are going to be like, oh my gosh, that show. I can't believe they're going to be able to react to that show. I'm and, very excited yeah. for that. Yeah. But I do want to mention the two that are coming up pretty quickly because we want you guys to jump on board if you're interested. We are going to be reacting weekly to The Mandalorian as soon as it comes out season two, uh, which comes out in just a few days, yeah, actually, actually from this, this recording. Yeah. And, uh, and then WandaVision, which starts a few weeks later. So we're going to be yeah, diving I'm into those weekly. Super excited about that. Now for, as for WandaVision, like if you, when we first heard that it was coming out one, I thought that the terminology for the title was just, just bizarre. And I'm like, Oh, who's making this sort of silly play on words. And then we got, you know, we got, that the happened. Trailer. We got the we got the trailer, but you know we we I think we found out the name of it before um, Endgame. I think we found out the name of it before then, didn't we? I am going to claim my Swiss cheese brain okay. and say no. I feel I can't like recall. we did, but I think like after after that, it sort of started making a little bit of sense. No, I, I don't think we did really? because because Falcon and Winter Soldier was also announced at the same time. And we didn't know that. Oh, okay. That so, that but was, it had to have been like so right just after, after, right yeah, after. So. Okay. I'm getting things confused, but I mean, it just seemed like a, honestly seemed like a dumb title. And then we got, uh, and then I was, you know, humbled to realize I need to just trust Marvel to do what they, what they do and what they do yeah. best. Uh, and we got the trailer and it was so fun. It was like kitschy and super fun. And we were with, like, what's happening here? With and, television clearly being the central point right. of it. So Which WandaVision makes a lot of sense. May way more sense than just calling it that and then like just following their hijinks. This is this actually makes sense to have it be focused on television programming. So Yeah. I'm very curious. Of course we we have little hints of things, but we don't really know where it's going. Yeah. Um we do know that she's going to be in Doctor Strange two in um the multiverse of madness. So Which I'm excited about really want to see the rumor going around and take this with a grain of salt it's is, a rumor. is that WandaVision and the Loki series will both sort of set up what's going to be happening or what Dr. Strange is going to be facing in Dr. Strange too. So I'm very curious about that. Yeah. We know that Loki's is going to, uh, his series is going to have something to do with time travel because he, that's how he escaped in in game. Is it? Because he he didn't have the time the time stone. No, he he had the tesseract. Was that going to allow him to travel through time? Well, he's not in time. He died, so he's right. not in time. So it's the time uh, authority. I forget what they're called. The oh right. whatever that come after him. That's because right. He's That's supposed right. to be dead, he's but he's not. To, but he's not. Gotcha. Gotcha. So he okay. Changed time. That's right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I have a little bit of Swiss cheese swinging. There are also too. vague rumblings that the big villain that they're going to build to for the next phase of the MCU could be Kang, who is a time traveling conqueror. Um, and there's some, and I mentioned this to you and I don't know if you'll recall it, but I know I did. I mentioned this to you that I thought it was a strange comment and then it never played off in Endgame. After the collapse of the building, uh, when Thanos has arrived and Ant-Man is going to save those that are trapped, and then there's a scene where Tony finds Cap and brings him his shield. So do you lose it again? I'm keeping it. Remember that scene? Yes. Okay. In that scene, when he's helping him up, 
Cap says something like, what happened or whatever? And he said, when you mess with time, it tends to mess back. Okay. And I was like, okay, well, how does he know that? Like, that's a weird thing to say in the middle of that moment. Well, I mean, I can see it in the moment because they were jumping around in time gathering so when there, they were gathering. So there are people speculating that Tony knew something there that he didn't that he didn't come forward with because if they didn't mess with time, they weren't going to solve the problem, but that maybe he knew that there was going to be a consequence to that. Well, I, I mean, so, I mean, they were bouncing I mean, it's around speculation, of course, but they, but they were bouncing around time and Thanos managed to reverse engineer their stuff and come back. So yeah, I we did. still don't really know how that happened either. It, magic. It's okay. No, way. Like, just <laughs> yeah. pay no attention. Like right. he just, whatever. Um, but he revert, he reverse engineered and managed to come out of the woodwork of his time frame and come back again. So in that moment, it did have a meaning. I, I thought, because I don't have a, like a big encyclopedic knowledge of the, you know, the Marvel comic universe. Right. Um, so I, like, I wouldn't have thought to uh, apply that comment to anything grander, but I mean, also, I think there's a, a, an element of Tony that, you know, believes in things like karma and like retribution and that sort of thing. And so he may have just meant it in that fashion as well. But if it was a weird line that people have been speculating on based on more knowledge of Marvel than I have, then I'm certainly open to thinking about the idea that they, they might think that there's something involved that will be coming in the future for that. And that he did have some actual knowledge of that as well. Yeah. Um, now we started off the podcast tonight talking about Marvel and, and now we're talking in game. We, we talked uh, the unfortunate passing of Chadwick Boseman. We've worked our way through what we're watching and now we're here talking about WandaVision and, in game and where all this is going. <clears throat> but uh, while we're on the subject of Avengers, I wanted to bring up some of the latest nonsense of the internet. Now I love the internet. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. I, I love being able to be in touch with people. I love what we do on YouTube and what that allows us to do. I love that. It let us meet. <laughs> yes. I love uh, that is especially. And I love that. Um, you know, in spite of some of the nonsense that I see on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and stuff that, you know, by and large, the internet has been a gift. It's connected the world in ways that we weren't connected before. I think the mistake and what I kind of get grumpy about sometimes is that it's easy to mistake the internet for the real world, uh, especially social media side. I don't mean the internet in general, but the, you know, social media, especially, um, because people get really loud and angry and, and toxic in ways that they don't in person. Uh, at least they used to not in person. Now they're starting to get that way in person as yeah, well. I was going to say, I, I feel like people have always been very, if they're going to be toxic, they're going to be toxic. But unfortunately, fortunately for everyone else, we didn't have to see it. Right. Um, and, and recently a couple of things, you know, came to light on Twitter of all places. Um, and I, I tried to. I'm on Twitter a little, I, I scroll through it more than I post on, you know, more than I tweet, but I, I came across uh, two things, two celebrities who um, by all accounts are fantastic people uh, who have taken a lot of flack for uh, stuff, not even stuff that they said, but stuff that they didn't say stuff that they didn't do. 
And, um, and it just struck me as being an odd thing. So I wanted to talk about it here, but mainly from the aspect of, listen, this is not, we're, Heidi and I are not political people. Like we don't talk politics really a lot. We don't, not even like daily life. uh, And this, this is by and large and for certain, not a political opinion show. So let's disclaimer, disclaimer right there. Nor, um, even though politics may be at the fringe of some of what we're about to touch on, nor is this political for us. This is about, uh, common decency and, and respect and, um, you know, compassion and benefit of the doubt and that kind of thing. Yeah, which is something More that we, we have, uh, I feel like ever since we've done like little videos here and there about just, just talking about fandoms. Well, we in had general, a big video about Star Wars. We did. It was a big one. Toxicity but. of that fandom for a while, um, which is still there to some extent. Yeah. Thankfully, I think it's gotten a bit quieter. Yeah, thankfully. But, you know, but it, it is something that we have commented on in the past. So this is just, uh, just another tangential uh, thing as far as like pop culture colliding with the real world that we we saw and we just kind of wanted to like at least touch on. Yeah, so since we we just came off of Endgame, I want to talk about Chris Pratt first. Yes. So apparently several of the celebrities from the Marvel films got together and did a uh, it was like a Zoom call, like a fundraiser thing for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, which is fine. That's their certainly their right as citizens Dem- to yeah, do that kind so of thing. Democratic presidential um, I don't usually I usually don't care about what, I mean, I I don't, I don't think celebrities don't have the right to speak, but I don't, that's not going to sway me. I don't care who they're voting for. I, you know, I want to look at the issues myself and, and decide. And I've got friends on both sides of the political spectrum in great numbers. And um, most of them are not very argumentative, thankfully. Um, And when they get that way, I just tend to mute them. So I don't have to like, listen to that. Yep. Um, because I want them to be free to do what they want to do and what they feel is best for the country with their vote. But at the same time, I don't really want to be involved in big discussions about politics. Well, apparently it wasn't that Chris Pratt showed up for this thing. It was that he did not. Um, the assumption was then made by a bunch of people on Twitter that he must support the other guy. Because mm-hmm. because if your schedule is not clear and you can't be at one thing, then and who knows clearly he, was you he support even, the other guy. Was he even invited? I he, mean, honestly. I mean, he might not have been. I don't so know. So there's that there. And he was not the only Avenger or big Marvel celebrity that wasn't there. Robert Downey Jr. wasn't there. Yeah. There were a bunch of other people that weren't there. Probably because, I don't know, they've got busy schedules. They're in-demand people. Or maybe they um, just didn't, in, didn't want to or had other things going on in their actual and lives. In, and in Chris Pratt's case i mean he's they're ramping up for the next jurassic world thing so yeah um and that's been all over twitter so i don't know how anybody missed that but whatever um so apparently there that was the kind of the um the match that lit the blaze was the fact that he had not shown up for this thing and then it became like people started digging back into what church he goes to and that Eight years ago, there was some comment by the person who was the pastor then, who's not the pastor now, about the gay community or something or about where they stood on gay issues or whatever. And so I get that I'm not a part of that community. So, you know, my feelings are probably more detached from that subject than theirs. But my first instinct was, okay, well, I know a lot of people that go to church who don't necessarily believe everything that their church teaches. And I also know a lot of people who um, 
are Christians that aren't active in churches. And I know a lot of people who are active in their churches, but don't even know what their pastor may or may not have said eight years ago, because he's not the pastor anymore. Right. So I had a whole lot of questions about that when that became like one of the issues oh my God, that was you, being talked you about. You thought for yourself? I know. How could you? It's crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, but I read that and I was just like, is this really what we're becoming? That we, like, if he hasn't said anything... Like, I don't feel the need to go back through, like, let's say my employment history. Sure. Okay. If I had a boss in retail 20 years ago that went on some racist rant or something on, you know, there wasn't even social media then. Yeah. Like, you know, like, on. Like, like somebody found an email or something or something right. like, or on, like on the you know, videotape video. I don't feel the need to say. Hey, uh, my employer 20 years ago said this thing. I just want everybody to know I don't stand with that. I'm not okay with that. Like, what's who because cares? it wasn't me. Yeah. I don't need to say anything about it. Yeah, who cares? I let my character stand on its own. I let people know who I am. You get to know me by getting to know me, not by what I say. You know, I, I don't feel the need to go, oh, here's some popular things to say. I need to say these things so people know I'm okay. Right. Here are the things that people want to hear so that they know I'm an acceptable person to listen to or to talk to. And I don't feel the need to do that. Same. So it's just kind of, it's so odd to me that it, the automatic assumption is, well, he didn't come out and say that that pastor was, you know, wrong or well, okay, first of all, he's entitled to his opinion, even if you think his opinion is wrong. So even if he thinks that whatever that pastor said, and I couldn't even find that, but if he thinks that whatever that pastor said was right, then that's still his business, and he doesn't have to say anything to you or to prove anything to you. He can just, he's not hes not saying anything against anybody. He's not saying anything at all. Like to this moment, as far as I know, he still doesn't even address the fact that uh, there was a big uproar about him on Twitter. Yeah. He just left it alone. And I applaud him for that because too many people would have jumped into the middle of that and gotten defensive about no, it. No, I, th I think that was his best course of action because to say anything at all uh, in defense of himself would just make them louder. And to say anything against the people who were already attacking him would be like, oh, see, he, that's what he's doing. Yeah. So, and I mean, so, so you, he wouldn't have won no matter what he did. But but here's the thing. Okay, so, so take or leave the Chris Pratt thing. Like, I, I personally don't see any reason to hate the guy. Nope. But I also, I mean, I, I don't care one way or another. You, you, you're free to hate him if that's what you feel like you need to do. I just don't get it. I okay. just don't understand. If that makes you feel better about yourself. But, <laughs> but the crazy part for me was that um, then some of his co-stars began to kind of catch wind of the nonsense that was happening and came to his defense. As a friend would do, I'm sorry, if, if somebody was talking trash about my friend and I know that they're a good person, that I'm going to defend them. Yeah. It's going to happen. For sure. I've done it. I will do it. Same. But the response to that was then to trash talk the people that came to his defense. People who, by the way, if, if, your, if your argument is that Chris Pratt does not support the LBGTQ community plus community or whatever... And then people like Robert Denny Jr. and James Gunn and um, uh, Zoe Saldana and Josh Gad and people who have actively vocally supported your community come forward and say, no, I know him. He's a man of character. Good guy. You're taking this all wrong. You're taking it too far or whatever else. And your response is, well, then you're not an ally. 
you're not on our side then. You're not okay either. And then to proceed to you're, call them names. You're shooting. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Please. You're shooting your own. You're you're literally shooting down your own people. Yeah, there's a great meme Because they're that. standing by you. They, they have already shown that. And because they know this person as a person. And you are taking what you've heard somewhere on the internet to be fact. Instead of these people who actually know this person and work with this person and have dinner with this person and know this person's family. And you're taking the the anonymous nonsense of social media over their word and then attacking them when they've been on your side. I don't understand that. Nope. It just boggles my mind. It makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, there's a, there's there's no way I can describe the meme for that, but there's a meme for that where it's like, you know, somebody's asking, well, why can't, you know, X, Y, Z be something that, that happens? And you see somebody going ahead and shooting them and then asking that same question and holding up a sign or something I've like that. I've seen that meme, yeah. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, you know, and that's, that's the thing that really gets me the most is that um, the people who are the loudest and the angriest and the most willing to fight uh, you know, and call people out and do whatever it is that they feel like they need to be doing to show their allyship with um, whatever uh, particular topic it is. And they're fighting people who have been on their side. And then they wonder why those people and their friends are not on that side anymore. And that that's always curious. I'm like, you attacked them. Why would they want to be your friend? Yeah. And this is, I mean, okay. So one of the people that spoke in his behalf on his behalf was Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, very left guy, very, like, very, 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 very left and very concerned with, um, any oppressed group. Very so uh, uh, very vocally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he posted, you know, look, I know him. He's a stand up guy as you could ever want to meet, blah, blah, blah. People were telling him to die. Yeah. That was some of the responses. Die. Yeah. Really? Like just people okay, are, like how how can you expect anybody to be on your side if your response to yeah. a friend taking up for someone they actually know against your not provable nonsense? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing like your I said, response is die. How can I ride with that? How can I be okay with that? Yeah, the, uh, you the, want us on your side, right? And, and but but die doesn't get it done, no, and I that's th- the problem. That's that's a toxic nonsense position to take. It really is, and honestly, I feel like you know sometimes there needs to be like a mom filter on the internet. Like, you know, okay, before you send this tweet, make sure your mom reads it. If she's okay with it, then feel free to tweet. Right. You know, and I feel like a lot of moms would be like, what did I teach you? And I'm not going to repeat some of the things that were said um, to Zoe Saldana. Nasty. Because they so, were nasty and racist and hateful. And that was awful. And my question for you is this. If you are so concerned about the rights for one group that you're willing to trash and malign and say hateful, awful things, racist things to somebody because they took up for somebody that thinks differently than you, or that you really don't even know things differently than you. It's an assumption on your part. Then what is wrong with you? Like, how in the world is that okay? Yeah, how is that okay? Like, okay, like it just doesn't make any sense. She literally just took up for a friend. That's it. Yeah. So she's a biracial woman. That was the thing that drove me crazy. Is that 
like somebody were, some people were calling her out for being biracial. Like, like that's the problem. It, she's bi. It's, it's because she's biracial that she's taking up for a white dude. That's just or whatever. Ridiculous. And it's like, okay, look, I don't, you know, I try to stay out of racial issues because that's not some, there are so many elements of that that I will never feel, never know, never have to deal with. And I know that. And I recognize that. And that's fine. But when you are attacking someone, I don't care what color they are. I don't care where they're from. I don't care what their background is. When you're attacking someone because of the color of their skin or because they're not black enough or white enough or this enough or that enough, that's nonsense. Yeah. That's nonsense. You don't know them. You haven't walked in their shoes. You don't know what they're capable of. You don't know what they fought for. You don't know any of that stuff. And she just was taking up for a friend. Yeah. It's ridiculous. How dare you? Um, but a lot of people, I mean, Josh Gad is, is really outspoken in his support of the gay community. They were trashing him. And I'm not, I don't mean they like gay people were, I mean, whoever was upset and, and I don't know how that it's the Twitter mob. It's, it's yeah. And that's the thing. You can't even pin it. It's not like just, there's this group of people. It's not like you can say, well, the gay people were up in arms because it wasn't that. No, it was, it was people that, that fancy themselves allies. Yeah. And that decided to get worked up on behalf of gay folks to cause a problem. And that's the thing. I mean, I've, I've read something uh, recently. It's like, you know, if you want to be an ally, that's fantastic. But you still have never lived that life and there's no point in being not no point, but it, it serves no purpose to be upset and offended by something for someone if they themselves are not. Yeah. So it, there, there was no one community going up. Oh, he's, he's a bigot, you know, let's go after him. It was just suddenly a Twitter mob. And the thing is, you know, that's, in the course of human history, mob mentality is a thing. And just, we happen to be seeing it now on the internet. Like, well, not ha- now, but like, it's like really prevalent on the internet, depending on what, um, what manages to gnash in the teeth of that Twitter mob. And, you know, the, the Russos came out in his defense, the Russo brothers who mm. directed infinity war and Endgame, also responsible for putting the first, gay character on screen in a Marvel movie, by the way, Um, James Gunn came out in his defense. Um, People that have only worked with him once or in passing uh, came to his defense. Um, And they were all trashed. Yeah. Everybody. Uh, Lucy Lawless got trashed by her fans. And Lucy Lawless is very liberal and very outspoken on all the causes that should be on their side. And she just got trashed in her Twitter responses because she dared to say, I know him and he's a good guy. Yeah. How dare she? Here's the thing, guys. And we're, we're going to talk about Gina Carano here in a minute. That's a whole other story. Yep. But here's the thing. Like, I do my best. Now, I'm, I'm a human being, so I'm going to fail sometimes. But I do my best to treat everybody as having value. And that means whether they agree with me or not, there's a whole host of my friends that think very differently than I do. Same. Not just about politics, not just about religion and the big things that, that cause people to argue, but like all kinds of little things. There are tons of people that think differently about comic books and movies and music and tacos, tacos. And yeah. Um, I mean, I live in Texas. There are a lot of people elsewhere in the world that think very differently about tacos than yeah. I do. Big, but, big topic. Um, but I, I try to treat everybody with the respect that I would like to be shown. And I, 
I don't assume that because someone doesn't think like me about a certain topic that they're wrong or that they're bad or that they hate me or that they want the worst for me or any of those things. And I, my mind boggles yeah. at the notion of that. Same. I mean, there's, it's just, it, it, it just, it, it's so dumbfounding to f- think that there are people who feel that way. And I'm sorry that they do if that's how they feel, but it's also like everybody's entitled to their opinion. Yeah. You know? And I, that's just it. I saw repeatedly. Um, cause, cause one of the things that Mark Ruffalo said was he's a private person when it comes to his political leanings or his political thoughts or whatever. And there are so many people that said that's not acceptable. This is 2020. So silence is compliance. You cannot be well, bull no, crap. No, they said silence is violence. Well, no, okay. they, well, they're the one that I'm thinking of said science or silence is compliance with the stuff that's going on in the, in the country. Well, Bull crap. Because here's reality, and and if if this offends, sorry. Oh well. Um, the reality is that there are people in the world that deal with so many things that politics isn't even on their radar. If if someone's struggling with mental health, and it takes all of their energy and all of their emotional currency to to make it through a day, through a day or an hour, because COVID is happening, or because you know, they got laid off or suspended or whatever else because COVID's happening, or they don't feel safe going to the grocery store, or um, numbers are up in their neighborhood and they feel like they can't get out and live any anything close to the life that they want to live. There are so many things going on for so many people. The black community's got so many things going on right now to focus on, trying to um, call for justice for some injustices that have happened and trying to get answers for things that they don't have answers to. There are uh, police departments across the country that um, are asking why have bad cops gotten away with certain things and how can we as good cops fix that? There are things happening all over this country where people are actively involved in things that matter to them more than who's sitting in the white house and who has control of the Senate or who's in the house or whatever else like and, and that's not to say that it's wrong to be concerned with those things, obviously. But sometimes you, those things are just so you far have, remote. I, you know, you're never going to hear Heidi and I say that you shouldn't go out and vote, that you shouldn't vote your conscience and do what you think is right for you and yeah. yours and the country. Definitely. Absolutely do Exercise that. Exercise your rights that you have, that have been given to you by virtue of being a citizen of your country or your area, wherever you are. If you have that right, please exercise it. Absolutely. But... But some people are dealing with so much or it's just, you know, it's not the, the assumption. Let me, let me say this. The assumption that not caring about politics means that you don't care about people. That's not fair. That's not fair to people who are struggling with their own lives. And, Mm -hmm. and it takes all of that emotional currency just to deal with their moment, with their day, with their stuff. Like, it's not that they don't have compassion for you. It's that they don't have anything to give you. They don't have enough. And that's okay too. And it's okay. There are single moms struggling to put food on the table. There are people struggling with people in their family that active, that actually 
are actively fighting, battling COVID and dealing with that stuff. Heidi, in your job, you deal with COVID patients. You, uh, yeah, all you the know, time. And, all the time. And your job is very stressful. You, the last thing you want to talk about when you come home is politics. Absolutely. Sometimes if I've heard something and I'm trying to just catch you up on something I've heard, the look you give me is like, I'm going to shoot you if you say another <laughs> thing to me. Which would be a trick has, since we don't have a gun, even though we're in Texas. <laughs> right. But, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's just not something that you care that much about in the moment. Not not that you don't care about the country, not that you don't care about people, but it's just, there are moments when your day is too full to turn your mind to that thing. Absolutely. And that, and that's the thing is like, you know, I tell this to people who, you know, I, I, also not at all political as far as like, you know, things that I talk about on a daily basis with people or think about or any of those things. And here's the thing is that, you know, I've gotten older and in my twenties, I was angry all the time about all the things, all the injustices that I saw in Washington, DC, all the things that were just not happening the way they should people making really what I thought were just terrible decisions for the country. And I was angry all the time about it. And I was ready to fight with people about it or at least talk about it constantly. And then I was like, I don't have the energy for this. I can't keep this up. I can't be angry all the time. And so what I, the decision that I made and I felt like was really a good one. And you know, everyone has the right and opportunity to make the, that decision for themselves is that I can't do a darn thing about what's going on in Washington other than making my vote, but I can help people around me with my own two hands. And that's what I do. And I feel comfortable with the idea that that's where I'm making my difference. Yeah. Now, uh, I want to turn our attention to another Twitter storm. Um, Gina Carano from The Mandalorian um, and from... Which we actually just blew over with that saying that we were going to be re- uh, reacting to that season. We're very excited about it. Big Absolutely. fans of the first season. Uh, loved her character in that. Absolutely. And um, we knew her... We like we briefly watched, I think, American Gladiator when it had its little revival and she was on that for yeah. half a minute. I loved American Gladiator. And then, <laughs> yeah, and she was, she was a, an MMA fighter for mm-hmm. a while. Um successful Muay Thai fighter, like long before she got into the Hollywood thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been in, I think a fast and furious movie. She's been in uh, Deadpool. She's been in all kinds of things that we've seen. She's a tough gal. She is. And, uh, and, and just as tough in real life as the people that she plays in the movies, which is great. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, but recently on Twitter, she, she got just dragged. bombarded and dragged for not putting her pronouns in her profile. And it's literally just her personal choice that it's not a thing that she wants to do. Yeah. And she was basically told by the Twitter mob that she, you know, that it's hateful, that it's, she's not being an ally to her trans fans, that it's literally a show of support. And there's a lot of guilting, a lot of, you know, (laughs) quoting suicide rates and a lot of just like hurling things at her. And she's just like it, you know, she was very, I felt like she was gracious about it. And then she just got kind of tired of it and put <laughs> jokey, you know, like bleep blop bloop or something in her, pronouns. in her profile as her pronouns. And then they got even more offended and started dragging her even harder for that. Um, but it's like they were, they were saying, put them in, you know, put them in a profile. Well, she did, but you're not, you're not using them. Like she, <laughs> she's not, you know, <sighs> How dare you not use her per- preferred pronouns? Okay. Well, that, and I get it, you know, it, it's a joke, right? But it, no, it's but, a, totally a joke. But here's the real joke is that she is a strong, independent woman 
who is using her mind to make a decision about herself and what she wants to do. And you're calling her all sorts of names for that. Like, come on. Which one is it? Yeah. It can't be both. Yeah. It it can't be both. You can't say that, that women should be strong and stand up for what they believe in and, and be given a voice, but not be okay. If what they stand for is different than what you stand for. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Which one is it? Which one is it? It's and it happens all the time. It really and, and does. this is not to get political, but it happens when they have women's marches and they make the pro life women go home because it's okay to be a really strong and loud woman unless you're saying something that's unpopular with us and then you have to go home. Yeah. And and then it, it, it's, it's it's just kind of, you know, if you're at a, you know, depending on where you are, if you're, if you're a liberal woman and you go to a conservative women's thing or a thing that's largely conservative women, you're probably going to get shut down because it's okay to be a strong woman as long as you don't say the things that we don't like and vice versa, yeah. no matter what side of the aisle that you're on. So, I, you know, these things aren't political to me. They're more the way that we should behave. Yeah. yeah. Like there is nothing that, that she has done as an individual to say that she is not an ally and that she doesn't support people living whatever life they want to live, but they were trying to make her bow the knee for their cause du jour. And she was like, no, I'm okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to do that. And then they kept pushing and pushing and pushing and calling names and acting like crazy people until she finally just was like, okay, if he wants something in my profile, then bleep, blop, bloop. There you go. Yep. And then it just got even worse. And it's like, I I truly admire. I, I, she's never going to listen to this. <laughs> no. No, never. Um, I, I love my wife dearly. I don't have celebrity crushes. But I am always a f- fan of strong women. It's one of the th- reasons that I was drawn to my wife in the first place. Because she is a strong, uh, strong woman. And... Um, that's one of the things that I've come to admire about Gina Carano is that in spite of being in the Hollywood system where sometimes there's pressure to bow the knee and to capitulate so that people will come see our show and go see the movie and do the thing or whatever else that she's just like, no, this is me. I'm, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And you're not going to make me do something I don't want to do. That takes a lot of, a lot of character, I think. Yeah. And, it, and that's the thing. I mean, like I, I'm again, baffled by anyone like who is offended by somebody who is willing to think for themselves. Uh, it just because it's not part of your crowd's mentality doesn't mean that she's necessarily against you. You know, she's just being herself. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I have a bad habit. It's not a bad habit, but it's for some people, it's a bad habit. I have a bad habit of playing devil's advocate. If someone's arguing with me about something or they're taking a position and I can tell that there's someone who's not going to brook any debate whatsoever, I will purposely, even if I don't believe in the thing that I'm arguing, I'll take the other argument so that I can try to show them that they're not as foolproof as they think they are in their thinking, you know, and it annoys people sometimes because they think that I'm going to be an easy score or whatever, because they, they assume that I'll think like they do and I might, but I want them to think outside their box. And so I'll try to push them a little bit on something. So that annoys my oldest daughter when she and I argue about things. Cause I do play devil's advocate a lot. And she's told me that she's like, I know you don't necessarily even believe what you're telling me. You're just trying to get me to think, but that's the thing is I want her to think, I want her to think for herself. I want her to be, uh, she's 25 now believe that or not. And, uh, I, I want her to be the kind of woman who thinks for herself and she very much is. And I'm very proud of that. Likewise, uh, <laughs> our younger daughter, uh, 
we're also teaching her to think for herself and to not believe everything that she's told and to not uh, just accept everything at face value yeah. to dig yeah. and to think for herself and to uh, not just hear the things that are presented to her, but say, who else is talking about that? And what can I dig in? You know, what can I read? What can I look up online? What can I do? And so that that's already at, at her young age, she's not even a teenager yet. And she finds herself in trouble because she's got her dad's, propensity for for uh, being a devil's advocate yeah oh, um, I, I i tend to argue too so yeah she, but i mean it's a healthy it, dose yeah but she she literally they were they were talking politics the other day because of the election you know schools are going to talk about that and she she literally said i'm 12 and i don't really know anything about these people yeah and they're all like oh no you know this 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 and she's like but you're just saying that because that's what your parents say you're 12 you're yeah. like me you don't know anything about that and they're and they wanted to argue about it or whatever, and then people started saying you know things about the candidates in particular, and her response was no nobody is all good or all bad, so you can't just say well that guy's evil and this guy's good, you nobody's all bad and nobody's all good, so you got to look at other things, and I'm like see that's my girl she's smart yeah like I absolutely they're. There are moral questions and things to ask about and to consider when you're making a big choice. And I have friends that are going to land everywhere on that spectrum. But I want her as her dad to be smart enough to ask the right questions, to consider things deeply, to not take things on the surface level. And that already gets her in trouble. And that's why I think I admire when women or men can be strong enough to say, you know what? I'm not taking a knee for you because it's okay for me to be me and it's okay for me to think how I think and it's okay for me to stand for what I stand for and you don't get to assume things about me. Yeah. Um, there is literally nothing that um, I have seen anybody post an actual quote from either Chris Pratt or Gina Carano that in any way incriminates them as being ugly to anybody. Never. I've so it's it. all just a, a lot of assuming based on what they haven't said or who they like. I literally saw people picking apart who Chris Pratt follows on Twitter. Oh, he follows uh, Ben Shapiro. He must be a, a crazy Trumper or whatever. Or he just likes to not live in a bubble and he wants to know what people on the other side of the aisle are thinking. Yeah. I do that all the time. I, I listen to both sides all the time. I'm sorry. Because for me, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of those two. For sure. And so... I follow people of all political spectrums because I want to know what they're saying. I want to know what's going on out there yeah. um, and how crazy the, the different sides can play the same piece of information. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like an event can happen things, you know, everyone just sees the same exact thing, same exact broadcast. And when you come away from it, from, from unfortunately just the two big sides, it's, crazy how differently it's seen and it's like you know it's like looking through a very small lens and it's what i feel like you know what you're saying is like we really need to be able to hear and see how other people act and react to the same thing to right. really understand what was what was happening now you're not going to ever hear me argue that you don't have the right to not go see a movie if somebody you find somebody offensive or whatever else i may think it's silly but you have the right to do that yeah. um and and certainly you have the right to not support causes or businesses or whatever that you don't agree with that's fine too that's part and parcel of freedom. Yeah. And and I am happy for you to celebrate your freedom however you celebrate it. That's fine. Um, 
the reason that we brought this up, the reason that we wanted to talk about it is just because the way that you go about it can either be constructive and helpful and educational, or it can be toxic and nasty and hateful and destructive and destructive. And when, when you're using racial epithets or telling people to die, there's no excuse for that. I'm sorry. I, I cannot, I cannot excuse that. I, I can't stand with that And and what it does. And this is why I want you to be mindful of it, especially is as tense as an election year is for any country, anywhere. And, you know, for us, it's every four years, every four years, it's tense around election time. It's going to be, it always has been, it may seem worse now, but it's not, you know, it just, it just seems different because we've got so much going on in the world, but it's always tense. And the thing is, if we let that tension and that, that feeling push us to become angry, hurtful people, then what we're doing is the very things that we want for ourselves and for our country, we're pushing people in the other direction. If you're saying you want people to be your ally, but people see you being hateful or chastising somebody for not putting something silly like pronouns in a profile, like, like that should be a personal choice. Okay. It's, it's fine. If anybody wants to do that, that's great. Fantastic. Absolutely. Live your life, but don't force somebody to do it if they don't feel like doing it and don't make them out to be some sort of horrible person for not doing it. Or if they don't show up at a fundraiser, assume that they're fighting for the other guy because you don't know that to be true. And when you take a toxic approach to those things, then people who are unsure of where they stand politically are going, "Mm, I don't want to be on their side. I don't, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. That's hurtful, hateful stuff. You know, I, I don't know Zoe Saldana from anybody from, I mean, I, I've seen movies that she's been in. I couldn't tell you the first thing about who she is as a person, but I can tell you that when I looked at her Twitter feed and saw the kind of nonsense that was being said to her, hateful, vile stuff, I felt awful for her. Yeah. Nobody should because have to Because nobody with that. should have to see that stuff for just stepping out of their comfort zone and speaking up for a friend. Somebody that she actually, by the way, knows and you don't. So it, I warn you because it moves people away from your cause and it moves people deeper and further away from you, which if you want allies is not what you're after. So just be cautious in the way that you approach people, be cautious in the way that you speak um, the things that you need to speak because people are listening, people are learning and um, what you don't say and what you say clearly can be used against you because it's being used against them. And that's the, to me, that's the reason that I try to be careful is because whatever standard I hold somebody to, I'm going to be held to that standard too. Yeah. So if I think that somebody ought to be canceled and not get work because of what church they go to, then I got to watch who I support or who I, you know, I got to watch everything out of everybody's mouth that's around me and hope that I'm not accidentally sort of chums with somebody who said something in 2007, uh, you know, somewhere like, I don't want to live my life that way. And I don't think anybody else should have to live their life that way. So I'm not going to hold anybody to that kind of standard because that's not what I want to do. Right. So just, just be kind. That's really where all this is leading. We, we, we say this all the time, be kind, be compassionate, be decent to one another. 
it's okay. Listen, we all have different thoughts, different feelings about where this country should be. Um, you, wherever you're listening from, might have thoughts about your own country, and, and maybe you're not as free to speak those thoughts as we are. But whatever the case, we all want things for ourselves and for our families and and all of that. And you can think that somebody else's thoughts are awful, but you don't know what their reasoning is. And maybe if you were sitting in their shoes, their thoughts wouldn't seem so bad to you. Yeah. Because you'd have their perspective. But even so, even with thoughts that are that are um different from your own or even like completely opposite of your own, you can still be kind. You can still be a good person as far as decent in re- your response. You can still um try to be gracious. Because know. the truth is at the end of the day, we all have to share this space. This is our our world. We all have to live in it, which means we have to live with the people who don't think like us, right? Conservatives, liberals, you know, uh, Christians, Muslims, Catholics, Jews all have to live together. Um, if you love country life, if you love city life, if you love uh, urban and suburban, if you love country music, you love rock and roll, you love reggae, you love rap, you love heavy metal, we all have to share this world, which means we have to find some way of getting along. And we do that by having a little bit of compassion, by having a little bit of kindness, and by extending the benefit of the doubt to people who don't think like us. Because maybe they have a reason to think that way. Maybe if we had shared some of those experiences, or maybe if we got to know them a little bit better, or maybe if we had some honest dialogue that wasn't about trying to argue them into a position, maybe we could see why they think that way. And even if we never agree, maybe that's okay. Anyway, that's our thought on that, and we'll let it go at that. We hope that you're back with us next time on Pop Pop Fizzle um, uh, or Pop Pop Culture, which is the name of our podcast. And we hope you'll join us on YouTube, too. Uh, As I said earlier, we've got a lot of shows that we're reacting to. We'd love to see over there as well, but we do appreciate you listening, taking the time to download and um, share some time with us. We appreciate it. And if we have said things today that you find to be offensive— um, I can apologize for that, and I, I am sorry that if any of it made you uncomfortable, because that certainly wasn't the idea. The idea, though, is to learn to talk about uncomfortable things without being upset, without being ugly, without using loaded words, without giving in to the sort of toxicity that really makes the world the kind of place that I, I worry about my kids being in. And nobody wants to worry about their kids. Nobody wants to worry about the people that we love. Let's all just make whatever effort we can in your day and my day and just do our best to make the world a little bit better than how we found it. We can do that in the voting booth, but we can also do that person to person, smile after smile, having a little bit of compassion and extending the benefit of the doubt. Until next time, folks, we see you right back here. Bye for now. Bye.